This is an incredible album. And gosh darn, the singles campaign, while it was cool and certainly had its benefits, kind of failed to do this album justice. The songs are just trees, but the album, it's a forest. That was very poetic, very poetic. Hello, I'm Scott, and welcome to a new episode of Everything Phil Collins. Okay, why Peter Gabriel? Two reasons. One, we need lots of content. <laughs> We're weekly. Two, three reasons, actually. Two, I love Peter Gabriel, and he's in the Phil Collins universe. And three, the last time I did a Peter Gabriel talking about this record, actually, the video did really well. So we're going to talk about this record. We're going to go track by track. But here's what's interesting. I want to tell you my perspective. I actually waited to hear pretty much anything from this record. So, so many of these songs are brand new to me. I've never heard, with the exception of Panopticom. Of course, I heard that when that came out in January uh, earlier. I listened to it a lot. I, I love that tune. It was really cool. Um, also, I listened to The Court once or twice. That's a total example that... Uh, of a song that sounds better when it's sequenced. That's what I want to talk about today. We're going to go track by track, but we're going to talk about the album campaign as a whole as well. We're going to talk about the artwork, the album cover. I, I feel like I'm coming from a pretty objective standpoint because I'm a Phil Collins fan, obviously. I'm a Peter Gabriel fan of Peter Gabriel era Genesis, no doubt. But I'm kind of like a somewhat passive Peter Gabriel fan. Like, I really like the hits. I really like So. Um, actually, my favorite album is uh, Shaking the Tree. I have that on vinyl. I have it on cassette. I got it on CD when I was a teenager. So I, I kind of like the hits, which is puts me in a good position because I can be kind of objective about this, I think, um, from the standpoint of like most music fans today. And I think people are going to really like this record. I think the biggest thing, and we're going to talk about the campaign in a second, but I think the biggest thing is about how good of an album this is, which has really been kind of distracted by these single campaigns, which is cool in its own way. But I'm excited for people like me, and, and there are lots of other people who aren't in the weeds with Peter Gabriel, who are probably enjoying this for the first time, just pressing play on Panopticon and going straight through to the end for the first, and hearing these songs for the first time. That's a really uh, privileged opportunity, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there, and, and let me know in the comments if you did the same thing. If you maybe checked out one or two singles, but for the most part, you didn't start to build an album playlist, and you're just waiting for an album to come out. I had faith that an album would come out, so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to wait to hear these as an album. I like to listen on a turntable, or even I listened uh, my first go-through. Before I picked this up yesterday morning, my, my first go-through was on Dolby Atmos on headphones. And so the inside mix, which was really, really good. I mean, production-wise, we're going we're gonna to talk about everything, but production-wise, it's Peter Gabriel. You know, nobody does production better than him. Instrumentation, but really, it's the, it's the placement of stuff. And you hear that a lot in Dolby Atmos. When we did a video about this, and it was back in, I want to say it was like August, maybe, or September, I kind of predicted they would do like a deluxe edition um, with all of the mixes. I, I had predicted wrongly that there was going to be a mix that we hadn't heard yet. It was like maybe the bright and dark side combined, or there was a whole other mix set, and then the deluxe edition would have bright inside dark and then this new version so i didn't realize that he would just release like basically two versions of the album bright side dark side and then i guess a third inside if you count that but that's cool i also thought it would come out earlier in november like around black friday or something i didn't really think he would he would actually fulfill all 12 months of the singles campaign the full moon stuff but i'm actually glad he did because it really showed his consistency and commitment to this project just before we talk about the singles campaign because that needs to be addressed Let's talk about the artwork. Um, there was a, a release of all of the photos. So it's very, very cool, you know, very face value, if you will. Um, the back, that looks a lot like a moon-shaped pool from Radiohead, if anyone knows that record. Um, I've always loved the real-world spines that they do. That is so great. I love consistency like that. I went for pink because um, I thought I'd like the bright side mixes better. 
I don't know why. I also thought pink looked cooler than blue, and maybe nobody else would be picking pink, so I like it. I don't know what this is called. I, I, I think it's an obi strip, but I think obi strips are when they go around it. This is similar to what they would do with Japanese CDs. Um, there's a lot of records like this. I have an obi strip on my Wind and Wuthering copy from Japan, um, but again, that wraps around it so it can stay on permanently. This is, um, I'm not sure what this is, some sort of like spine sleeve. I'll have to ask my manufacturer what this is called. I don't like it though. I mean, I think it looks really cool. And the juxtaposition against the, I love obi strips and the margin against the black and white photo is cool, but it comes off. So what do I do with it? You know, I'll have to get a big bag for this record in order to keep that on. So it looks cool, but it's kind of useless. Uh, if it were an obi strip, it would stay on. I've seen the, the a bunch of different photos from the photographer from this session. And there's maybe, honestly, if I'm being picky, there was like one or two other ones I thought could have been better, but this is really cool too. I, I like it a lot. I like the album title. I like the branding. At first, I was kind of weirded out how like the tour was neon and like very uh, vibrant, the artwork, and that like a lot of the artwork for IO was really vibrant. But then the singles artwork was fine art and it was kind of a little bit more, um, it was darker, right? And it just didn't match like kind of the neon electric look that they were doing with the exception of like one or two. Um, but, you know, stuff like this just didn't really match. But I changed my mind now because of this book. This book is really, really cool. And I think when you take all of these like fine art pieces and there's like a write-up for each artist and the, their piece, when you combine that with the stark black and white photo and then the all of the neon colors, and I love what they've done with blue and green and the box set that's coming out uh, in the new year, I love all of those combos and it really makes it cool. People have been posting them today on Facebook and on social media. And so we get to see like what every color that people picked. And I can't decide what my favorite is. Green, blue, pink. Is there red? I think there might be red. I don't know. But anyway, I like it a lot. And so I think it makes sense. Like when you have this, like this vibrant, this is like pixels. This is really cool. Um, you could get tired of that easily and they wouldn't, it would really have to just be boring text throughout this booklet. And this booklet is fantastic. So now it makes sense why he decided to go with kind of really unique pieces of art that were actually juxtapositioned against the neon look of the album. That's enough for the artwork. Let's talk about the campaign real quick before we dive into the song. So I've seen mixed reviews about, you know, the campaign that started essentially was announced in December of 2022. Like I said, I'm surprised he stuck with it. 12 songs, 12 months, but it really showed that this campaign was super thought out. He was being coy throughout some of the videos saying, we're still working on the record. We have a record, blah, blah, blah. No, no. We knew he was finished this record. We knew that they had 12. I mean, we know this now, right? That they had 12 songs in the can. I have a theory. The, art, the track listing is different on vinyl. And it does, I really don't think it has to do with sound because it doesn't really make sense. Like the there's some lighter songs that are even in the middle and louder songs towards the end of a side. And there, there's no track listing shifts on the sides necessarily. Like the songs don't go on different sides. They're not that out of order from the digital version. So I, I'm thinking the digital and CD versions are the his last minute decisions to change the track order, perhaps based on something they were doing live. And that the vinyl, um, that the uh, plates had already been cut I'm I'm wondering. I'm just wondering if vinyl was already in production and they decided to change the track listing and wouldn't wouldn't be that big of a deal, right? Because vinyl would only be a certain amount of people. More more people would have the streaming copy, the digital copy, or the CD copy. Um, but even the idea of having 
a cassette version or a vinyl version have a different track listing than the CD version or the digital version is not bizarre. In fact, but seriously, that um, is the case as well. Here's the pros of the streaming campaign or the the singles campaign. Each song got its own day in the sun. In fact, it, it got its own month in the sun or in the moon, if you will. In this kind of like streaming landscape, this digital world, how is a legacy artist who's 20 odd years away from his last record supposed to kind of connect with people? And I know that it kind of tired and exhausted some of us fans who were just, you know, seeing these songs all the time. But obviously, you know, the newer fans or people who weren't aware of this record or don't follow Peter on social media, they wouldn't really know these songs were dropping. And so now when people are talking about this album, they're hearing and seeing and hearing about these songs for the very first time. So they wouldn't have been exhausted by that campaign. At the same time, let's look at us in the Facebook communities on Reddit and on Twitter. We've been talking about Peter Gabriel for 12, almost 13 months now. Not only that, but he's put the singles, the tour, and the album and all the various uh, versions of the album into one year. 2023 was all about Peter Gabriel. We were talking about Peter Gabriel every single month, every single week for an entire year. If he dropped this album in January, we wouldn't be talking about it anymore. So there's kind of like a nod to the marketing genius of this. Even though it might exhaust some people, it's only going to exhaust the people who would probably never actually tire of Peter Gabriel. So for any of you diehard Peter fans who are like, just give me the album, just give me the album, you're not going to not become a Peter Gabriel fan because of it. But it gave him so many opportunities to connect to new listeners, to get streaming numbers through playlist inclusions, to get songs on the radio. Basically, every song was a single in its own way, which is kind of unheard of. I personally don't want another artist to do this. I don't I don't like it. Like, you know, I'm with you, but I think it was good for him. I really think it was good for him. I think it gave him um, a fresh spotlight for an entire 12 to 13 month campaign. And who knows, maybe there's more. We have the box set coming in March. Um, I'll talk about him alluding to a second album. I have some theories about that. Save that for the end of the video. And there's also possibility of like a live DVD or a live album um, from this last tour. I, that could be possible. Okay, so let's go track by track. But remember, I have, um, I've only heard this album twice with the exception of The Court. I've heard three times and Panopticon, I've heard a couple times. I think IO, I've heard um, when it came out just briefly. I think by the time IO came out, like by the time maybe April, I was like, okay, I don't want to listen to anything. I, I think I know what he's doing. Um, let's just save it. Yes, maybe I'll be out of touch, but let's save it so I can enjoy it all together. And I'm really glad I did. And, and I really want to know how many of you did the same thing. This is black vinyl, by the way. T talk real quick about the price. I paid $70 Canadian, which is probably about 55 US. That's not, I, I was grumbling about that, but now I realize like it's a pretty big package, a really big spine, double vinyl, um, a huge book, the Obi strip on the outside, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, it's not, it's not absurd. It's not absurd. Even like things like this. Can you see this, this reverse board here done in a custom color? That's not cheap to do. Okay, so Panopticom, uh, that's probably the most catchy song, right? It's um, something I've been humming for most of the year. It's a bit of an earworm. Um, there's nothing more to say about it that hasn't already been said. I think it's a great 90s style song, that little kind of like reverb keyboard thing that's happening. I think it's great. I really like this tune. Again, it's like the most overplayed, right? We've heard it on tour. We've heard it in the tour promos. And because it was the first single, anytime if you were making your own playlist, you probably heard it the most. And so that, you know, that's another strike against the campaign is like, 
I would really love to drop this needle on this record and hear Panopticon for the first time. It, it wouldn't feel so overbearing. It would feel like it fits really nicely. Speaking of fits really nicely, I like the transition into the court. Now, I believe on, um, sorry, the court is the, again, the digital version, it goes into the court. I liked that. On the vinyl version, it goes into playing for time, which I think is brings things down a little bit. It's like when Phil would go to Against All Odds as the second song uh, on tour. To me, it's a little bit too ballady, a little too slow. I really liked the courts. Let's talk about the court real quick. Uh, oh no, we could talk about playing for time. Great tune. It, it's probably just a bit, it's probably just a bit too ballady for me, a little bit too long. Again, just by the way, these impressions, I'm going to regret my impressions or I'm going to change my uh, my impressions or my uh, opinions of these songs uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, over the next couple of months, and maybe over the next 23 years. I'm just saying, just so keep that in mind. Like This is after me playing it once or twice. I don't know. I just thought playing for time, great song, great lyric, a little bit um, indulgent. Okay, after I recorded this review, I was listening to the album again on vinyl and playing for time as track two really bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you. If you're listening to the CD or the digital version, you have the court as track two, but uh, playing for time, I, so far I'm not really liking. It's just a little bit too, um, I can't really put my finger on what's bothering me about it, but I certainly don't like it in the second spot. Still accessible. It reminds I really like uh, Four Kinds of Horses. Um, I like This Is Home, Love Can Heal, Road to Joy. Those are some standouts for me. This song sounds like Gabriel. It's very, there's a lot happening. If you listen to the Adobe mix, uh, sorry, the uh, Atmos mix on um, on headphones, you can hear things happening all over the space, spatial audio. Very cool. Here's the thing, and I'm going to be banging this drum so many times. Is it a good single? No. I mean, The Court is not a good single. And I heard this in February. I think that's when it came out, right? In February? I heard this in February and I I was just like, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. But like as a standalone track, you shouldn't listen to this as a standalone track. It's not appropriate to listen to this as a standalone track. I think it's most appropriate to listen to it on the album. I personally think it's the best as track two. I wish it was track two on the vinyl, but I really, really dig this song. But I think it it really sounds great as a, as a, as a second song. So yeah, there you go. Uh, number, so we, do, we did Penopticom, The Court, Playing for Time, wherever you want to put those. I.O., I was a great track. Um, it's a great place to put the title track after you've had kind of these two darker moments, these sadder moments. Oh, this is where the track listening is getting out again because it, it goes to four kinds of horses on the vinyl. I really don't know what was going on. I really do think that the digital track listing is better. Maybe that's why it kind of agrees with my theory that perhaps he shifted things around a little bit. It's a great feel though after the, you know, uh, we are talking about IO right now. Sorry, by the way, things are going all over the place here, but IO is a great track. Great feel. Um, my biggest complaint, please tell me if you're with me on this, stuff coming out and stuff going in. It's a great lyric. I know what he's saying, you know, like, um, you know, on a digital converter, you know, like audio going in, audio coming out. That's probably where he got it from. You know, the uh, just a part of everything. I like that's a great tagline that's used throughout the packaging. But anytime I hear someone say like stuff going out, I just, it's gross. Am I the only one that's kind of bothered by that lyric a little bit? I, I don't know. I just think of like, Stuff coming out of you. It's weird. It's a weird lyric. Good name for a Mexican restaurant, though. I love the lyrical concept of this song, though. So I always is a good one. Four Kinds of Horses, um, you know, really is a huge standout track. I believe this track was produced by Richard Russell, which is really, really interesting. Uh, or he worked on it, which is super, super cool. 
Um, I'd love to hear more from him and Peter, and I'd love to hear from Richard and Phil, but that's another conversation. Cool tune. Um, nothing I would have appreciated as a standalone single. That's the thing. I don't think by the time this came out in the spring, I don't think I, I think I had stopped listening to the singles and, uh, I was still trying to listen to tabletop Genesis, um, podcasts talking about the singles, but I was also trying not to listen to the singles, if that makes sense. But again, this is the thing that wouldn't have gotten me excited about the album because it's dark and it's just weird on its own. It's really like taking a piece of a puzzle out and going like, what do you think of this? And it's like, I, I don't know put it back in the puzzle, you know? And so Four Kinds of Horses to me works so well in this album and I was blown away by it. Like just the sounds, the beefiness of this tune. Oh man, the strings on the left, that kind of mid-rangey guitar on the right, the background vocals of this tune. It's songs like these, kind of like Take Me Home, where I feel like when you have this great soundscape, you could just go on forever. So this song could be eight to 10 minutes and it would never bother me. I would love it. Contrast that to playing for time. I feel like playing for time should have been shorter. I feel like it should have been like, you know what I mean from face value, just a little bit tighter. And then take these bigger expansive songs and just jam them out infinitely. That's my opinion. Just because the outro of this song is like so far my favorite part of the the um, the album, uh, road to joy. What do you think? Oh, that's that last song sounds like Radiohead too, by the way, four kinds of horses, which is ironic because Richard Russell is connected to Radiohead. Anyway, it's very cool. Uh, road to joy. Great song. Great reset after horses. I'm of two minds because it's very nineties. There's a lot of nineties songs on this record. Uh, and, and I found this song to be the most nineties there. There is a, a Bruce Springsteen vibe. There's a Phil Collins Tarzan vibe in the chorus, but I'm of two minds because like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't know if that'll connect with today's audiences. But for me, I love the nineties sound and I love that people are bringing it back. And I love that, um, you know, Peter's kind of emulating us and he's kind of emulating some of the, his peers from the eighties and nineties. I just, I don't know. I think it's, I love it. I really like this sound. You don't get to hear it a lot today. So I hope younger people and I hope other music fans who are more just passive fans of Peter will appreciate the sounds that he uses on this album, specifically on this track. Um, so much, uh, one, one of these tunes, I just don't have an opinion yet. It's just like, I didn't really get it. Uh, great quality recording. It's dead silent. If you're listening on headphones, it was sounded beautiful on vinyl. Again, like we're talking, I've listened to these, some of these songs just once. And so uh, this isn't, uh, this ultimately isn't a review. This is just kind of like a, a response. Pete has always had incredible attention to the recording process. And that's really what I appreciate about him so much. It, the world sounds that he does, the instrumentation, the instrumentalists he works uh, with, the, the producers are world-class. Brian Eno's on this record. So even if I'm not crazy about a song or I'm not yet getting it, the production is still out of this world and it sounds beautiful on vinyl and it sounds beautiful on spatial audio as well. I love the, uh, this edition is limited. That's a great, great line. But yeah, I'm not crazy. I'm just out of the gate, not crazy, but this song sounds a bit um, to Adele for me, but change my mind, change my mind. Uh, Olive Tree is another one I really want to hear again. Are those real horns? They've got to be real horns. They sound pretty thin, though. Um, is this the wear my hat of Peter's career? Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it's a really cool pre-chorus melody, um, cool chorus and hook. I mean, th there is melodies all over this record, which couldn't have been said for up, right? Not necessarily true for all of Peter's work, early work and even later work. So I am very grateful that this is uh, a very accessible record. Tell me if you agree with this. Is this Peter's most accessible, most melodic record since So? I think it is. I think it's like, if you like So, you'll like this record. I don't know. Tell me if you think that's true. Um, All the Tree is really cool. I remember enjoying it. And so I need to, um, it's kind of got a sting feel to it. Maybe with Phil Collins drums happening. I, I don't know. Um, 
I really do. I really do like this. Um, I really like this song. I remember listening to it, liking it. I need to hear it again. It's one of the records I haven't got to yet, or one of the songs I haven't got to in vinyl. Last night I was listening, but I'm getting up, changing vinyls, flipping sides so many times. So I feel like I missed that one. Oh, we'll revisit this. Well, let's revisit this record. And I want to know what you think. And again, it was such an incredible experience to experience it first, you know, to experience it um, without without the baggage of, of, of most of the singles, which has been nice. This is Home. Is that what we're talking about? Oh, I missed Love Can Heal. Did I miss Love Can Heal? Let's talk about Love Can Heal. Sorry, this uh, it's all over the place here. Because of the track listing, I took the notes from the Adobe Atmos Mix when I was listening on digital, and now I'm looking at the vinyl, and the track listing is different, so I feel like I'm hopping all over the place. I, let's talk about Love Can Heal. Um, this is so great. This is a song that could be pulled off a so. Um, I, love, I love this song. I can't wait to listen to it again. It sounds just absolutely gorgeous. This is, uh, like, honestly, this is his most accessible record since so. It, it, it just is such a beautiful album. I'm so excited to, 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 to hear what the general public think about this. The reviews are great, no doubt about it. I have some theories about the Grammys as well. Stay tuned. Uh, this is Home. Um, this is one of my favorites so far. And it's, it's, it was just when I heard it, I was like, this is unreal. It sounds unreal on vinyl. Great drums, great drum recordings. Oh man, so cool. Such a cool sound. Uh, he always gets the greatest sounds. Gosh, I, you know what would be really amazing? If Phil Collins were to do a new record, like I.O., if you were to do a new record and if you were to let Peter engineer it or Peter co-produce it, that would be a dream come true. I want to include people like Pharrell and Richard, Richard Russell would be cool. Um, maybe, maybe Rick Rubin. I don't know. I'm going to bang two drums here. Uh, um, first of all, the production, the production is unreal. I, I, I listen real quickly, um, just to some of the tracks while I'm doing this on the studio monitors and, and, and Peter's voice is just right there, super intimate, not drenched in reverb right there in the middle. And then you have these interesting sounds just kind of like vacillating back and forth. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And the other drum I'm continuing to bang is that these songs are, I'm just, convinced that they are great singles. And again, I understand the benefits of that campaign. I'm not going to poo-poo that campaign, but I just don't think you can feel the songs. I mean, maybe you guys sat down, lit a candle, put some headphones on, listened to each track. But I just think without having the next track, you know, without having the song that comes after that, I think we were just missing the whole painting. And I, and I just, yeah, I'm so glad I didn't didn't spoil these songs. And and Love Can Heal, This Is Home are two reasons for that, 100%. I was getting some Springsteen vibes from This Is Home, too. Let's talk about the penultimate track, And Still. I haven't got this yet. And again, I think I've only heard it two times. Um, and it just hasn't connected with me. Um, I, right now, I'm not feeling anything negative or positive with it. I'm just not getting it in the same way that some of you have got it. Somebody posted just yesterday what songs have grown on you or what songs surprised you that you like the most. And a, and a lot of people mentioned and still. But personally, it just hasn't connected with me yet. And so I, I'm maybe I'll get there. Maybe not. That's okay. It is a great penultimate track. It's like a little bit too big to be an ending, a little too dramatic to be an ending. And I think the ending of Live and Let Live is way better, which we'll talk about in a second. But anyway... Uh, I'm curious, like, what you guys think about And Still. It was just, I just haven't got there yet. Live and Let Live is a really nice album closer. It's kind of, it saves, like, most of the punch for the very end. You know what I mean? It's kind of like pulling a slingshot back. Not to say that the first half of the song is bad. It's just, like, okay. Uh, mid-tempo. I love a mid-tempo track. I love a mid-tempo ender. Kind of like Find a Way to My Heart or Take Me Home. Sorry for all the Phil references, but look at the channel you're on. 
I think the first half melodically hasn't clicked with me yet, but the back half is just so cool, so beautiful. Love the sax and the electric guitar at the end. This is Peter's throwing it all away, if you will. The ending outro, I'm a huge fan of ending outros. I almost wish he would have faded this out 90s, 80s style. Great way to end the album. Um, the bulk of the song I wasn't feeling, but then it locks into that um, ending, which is super, super cool. So I'm excited to listen to that again. In fact, I'm excited to listen to this whole record. I really am. I truly am. Um, I think there's an issue with the campaign and having these singles and, and missing the forest for the trees. And then also me trying to listen to these songs yesterday morning as quickly as possible to make notes, to seem astute, to have an opinion for this video. So now that this is all over, I can take my record downstairs, drop the needle and just enjoy these songs in whatever track listing they appear on the vinyl. Um, and uh, I'm really excited for that opportunity. A couple of other things I want to talk about. Are there cons to this? Well, um, one of the things I've noticed, which I thought was surprising for someone who's so engineered, production conscious as Peter, is that there's no song transitions on this record. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I missed one, but I didn't hear any songs bleed together, and I thought there were, some, there were actually quite a few opportunities where that could have happened. My guess is that because they're all standalone tracks that they were released as a single. So if you had a transition, it would have you'd have to cut a new version of that, like a single version that would then be replaced on digital when the album comes out. So it does become a little problematic if people are just listening to standalone tracks and they have like a weird intro that's in a different key or not connected or a weird outro that's in a different key or not connected. But I do feel like this, an album, a concept sort of uh, of this would have really nice transitions like the lamb, like the transitions in the lamb are incredible. Um, you know, the campaign for us, for some really close fans, the campaign took away some of the surprise and some of the fair discourse that this album should get. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I'm one of the privileged ones that I, I didn't spoil myself. Um, and so, uh, or soil myself, I should say I did soil myself, but, but yeah, I think there's some people who maybe missed out on that opportunity. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that it took too long. Uh, the other con you could maybe say is that it took too long to release, um, you know, to kind of tease it in December and then it doesn't officially come out until the next December. That's kind of annoying. Is there more music to come? This is a good question because Peter has alluded to this, right? That there's another record in, in the books that he's got more songs. I mean, obviously he's been working on this for 20 odd years and uh, we have only 12 songs. You know, of course, there's probably 120 songs out there. Um, I've got a couple opinions on this. First of all, I, I I kid you not, every single major artist talks about having more songs or another record already done. It's press fodder. Like this is like the press love talking about this. About 10 years ago, I started noticing that when a new album would come out and a band would talk about an album, they would say, oh, we have another album already done or we have enough songs to do another album. We should release another album really soon. I've seen this from like um, Coldplay, U2, My Morning Jacket, The Killers, like bands do this all the time. And like 10, 15 years ago, I remember seeing it so often that I was like, I need to start keeping track of this because it never happens. <laughs> and like, sometimes it does, but like most of the time it never happens. So just kind of keep that in mind that like, oftentimes it's like press fodder where like an artist is like, I have all these songs saved up and I have enough to do another album right now. I just don't know if like usually artists kind of get sick of that campaign and that album and want to work on something fresh, I'm not saying it won't come out. I'm just saying that I've just heard this story so many times and very few times does it actually come to fruition with one exception or multiple exceptions in the past year to two or three years, 
some big artists like Taylor Swift, uh, The National, and Ed Sheeran that come to mind where they actually release a second album like six months later or a year later that kind of looks like it's its own album or it's kind of presented as a companion piece. And it's basically just like a glorified B-sides album. But they kind of position it as its own album. They say these are all the the darker songs. You know, I think you two did that. Or they say these are all the the more poppy accessible songs. You, you know what I mean? So that's been a trend that's happening. Taylor Swift did that um, back during COVID. Um, the National just did that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do like next fall get another album from Peter. But deep down, we know it's like a B sides album from from I O. I wouldn't be surprised. Branding is incredible on this record. The artwork is incredible. The production is unreal. The presentation, the way that this was all put together, whether you like it or not, whether you were impatient or exhausted or not, it was an incredibly executed campaign from the rumors in December to the album the following December and the tour and the singles and the artwork in between and the videos. Huge success for Peter. I think it's going to get a lot of great reviews. It's already getting really good reviews. I think, mark my words, it's going to get a lot of Grammys. In fact, I think it could even be considered for album of the year. Unfortunately, we won't know until like November of next year. It won't be considered until the 2025 Grammys. But the Grammys do love legacy artists. And this is a very cohesive record. It's a very accessible record. And for that reason, I could see it being included in the album of the year nominations, um, just as that one legacy artist. Now he might lose to whatever Taylor Swift uh, releases that year, but I could see it being considered for album of the year. Uh, mark my words, I would love to see that. I think it will win a Grammy, whether it's production or engineering, or it's like, um, you know, a rock song for Panopticom. Could be playing for time, maybe. Grammys love legacy artists. They love legacy artists that aren't prolific. They don't like... They don't award like um, Neil Young or Bob Dylan, who released the record a lot, but they do like when an artist comes back on the scene 20 or 30 years later, they do seem to reward non-prolific legacy artists. So that's why I think this will get a Grammy nom, a couple Grammy noms, and maybe a Grammy win in 2025, but we won't know this in that new Beatles song, probably. Well, thanks for watching. Please subscribe if you're new to the channel and let me know in the comments below what you think about this new album and let me know what you think about this album versus the singles campaign. If you could turn off that past year and just judge this album today as a complete 12 song set, let me know what you think. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button for exclusive videos, behind the scenes content, and to have your say on future topics before I film, have a look at our Patreon page. Thanks for watching.